season we're going to take a little deep dive into each team uh today we're going to do clemson so sam 10 and 3 last year with a pretty poor showing on offense for the most part except for like the run game was pretty solid yeah um pretty pretty good synopsis there what do you what do you think what do you think about this year's team um i don't know so basically i'm just going to go through and kind of kind of hit the high points and then we'll we'll see what y'all think um but I think obviously the the biggest story right now is quarterback competition. Um, I don't think it's set far off to say that DJ was probably the worst starting Power Five quarterback um, in the country last year. Um, yeah. Then you add in you know a five star with Kay Klubnick that comes in mid year. Um, I think if you go back and look at the spring game, Klubnick outplayed him. Um, I so would that's agree. Be one of the big things. Um, you know, aside from that, it's just. You know, kind of Clemson's been sort of a model of consistency, and now you've got Brent Venables gone to Oklahoma, um, Tony Elliott gone to Virginia. We talked about this a little bit in sort of the spring, but we'll kind of try and flesh that out pretty pretty quick. Um, but I think the biggest thing is that it's sort of a reset, you know. Not that a 10-win season is ever going to be bad, but I think when the expectation is kind of just run through the ACC, go play for, the, for a title in the playoff, you know, when you start four and three, um, shit kind of hits the fan and you and I think again you know we kind of doubled down on the culture hiring from within with uh, Wes Goodwin and Brandon Streeter and Mickey Conn all getting elevated roles but like I said we'll kind of flesh out what I think the differences are going to be as far as like schematics and stuff like that but I think the biggest thing is just maybe the dynamic changes a little bit expectations might be a little bit lower um you know, there might be some people that are thinking, okay, well, DJ's back. I mean, it is what it is, more of the same. So we'll, but like I said, we'll, we'll get into all that. Um, I think the biggest thing for me is just going through the, the roster right now and looking at sort of the strengths and weaknesses of the team. Um, so I've got a couple of each, and we'll start with the good stuff. Um, and I think the front seven, specifically the defensive line um, for this team is going to be unreal. Um, so, when you look at what we're returning, I mean, you've got almost 4,100 snaps from a year ago. Um, now, when you look at what you lost, really the only major piece is being um, at corner and then your two inside linebacker positions. But for the case of the front seven, uh, I mean, Skowski had almost 700 snaps. Spectre had almost 600. So between those two guys, you got 1,300 some odd snaps that are, that are gone. Um, while experience is important, I think what you saw under Brent Venables is a lot of having you don't want to call them unathletic but putting more of a premium on linebackers that knew what was going on knew how to get guys lined up be in the right place at the right time just more heady football players um but all spring and all summer the um 
the word from Wes Goodwin has been not necessarily dialing back the scheme to being completely based, um, but taking out a lot of the clutter and trying to get guys playing at 100 miles an hour. And part of playing at 100 miles an hour is having guys that can go 100 miles an hour. So just having more athleticism, um, especially at the second level. Um, and then I think if you look at the bowl game um, when Venables was gone, I think snap counts of that game and how uh, Connie Gowen kind of implemented the guys in the second level um, and on the defensive line, I think, frankly, that's pretty indicative of kind of the change in philosophy there. So just going through, I mean, at, at defensive end, obviously you return Miles Murphy, who I think is, you know, last year had seven sacks. I think he's easily um, going to make a push for double digits. I think he's the guy that, you know, by the time the season's over, if he has 12, 13 sacks, I would not be surprised. I think he's a high-end first-round type guy. Uh, getting Xavier Thomas and K.J. Henry back um, for, I guess, their COVID, their extra year of eligibility was huge for us. Um, I think both guys have shown flashes, but have never been able to completely put it together. Um, but again, Thomas had some some games last year where he looked like the guy we thought he was going to be. KJ Henry came on at the end of the year. Um, so getting them back and not having to start Justin Maskell, who I think is a good role player. Um, but I think when you have those four guys, especially with Murphy on the anchor at one side, I mean, that's that's a pretty good group right there. And then at defensive tackles where it gets real scary because um, you got Ruka Rohara that was basically your fourth defensive tackle starting last year, ended up playing the most snaps of the entire position group and was absolute stud. Um, he's coming back. He's going to be the third guy. Tyler Davis is back. He missed four games. Um, Brian Bersi missed nine games. You know, Trey Williams missed four or five games, played hurt for the entire season. E.T. Rubin's back. Every single one of these guys are productive, but obviously having Brissy, Davis, and Aurora all healthy for a full season, it's, it's, they're going to get active. There's no doubt about it. Um, but I think for Brissy, it's more a matter of how good and how disruptive can he be October, November, instead of necessarily in and play a ton of snaps against Tech or play a ton of snaps against Furman. And you know what I mean? I think it's more about letting him kind of come back into his own because I don't – frankly, I don't think we're going to need him to disrupt the game by himself early on. Um, but at linebacker, like I was talking about, the, the emphasis on athleticism, Trent Simpson's moving from strong side linebacker back to weak side, um, and he's incredibly athletic. Um, and the, the, the sandbacker is playing a lot in space. It's almost a glorified nickel hybrid linebacker safety type position. Um, and he's athletic enough to play in space, but his biggest attribute is by far his ability to rush the passer. He's incredible around the line of scrimmage, and him playing at the wheel backer is going to put him in the box pretty much exclusively. Um, so really giving him a chance to show what he can do off the edge. Um, Barrett Carter, again, only had 179 snaps uh, as a freshman, but 32 of them came in the bowl game. Same thing for Jeremiah Trotter, 59 snaps on the year, played 31 in the bowl game. Uh, Keith McGuire was the starter in the bowl game. He had 99 snaps all year, 41 of them in the bowl game. So these are guys that you look at Levante Bentley, who's more of a physical inside backer, that he only played 26 snaps in the bowl game. So you look at stuff like that, and it's really the emphasis on speed, getting your athletes out there. They're talking about, you know, you recruit well enough that you don't necessarily have to have guys that the scheme overcomes their inabilities. You really want to let them go out there and say, hey, here's your key just run downhill and go make a play. Um, and obviously the scheme isn't going to look any different. Uh, the, the, I think the structure of the defense under Wes Goodwin is going to be pretty much identical. Um, but like I said, we'll, 
we'll see kind of how the back end develops. Uh, but the front seven is going to be should be at least on paper. I mean, I think you can make an argument that we're going to have the best defensive line in the country. I think the argument could very well be made that we'll have the best front seven in the country. So I'm curious to see how that all comes together, um, how the rotations work out, who starts playing more than than others. Um, but on the flip side of that, offensively, like Jacob said to begin, the running game is where this offense has to start. It's going to begin in and end with the running backs. You got Shipley, who's coming off of 11 touchdown freshman season. Obviously, he missed a few games. I think he's he's probably going to be a guy that pushes a thousand yards um, if the offensive line improves. You know, to some degree, Kobe Pace, which I think might be the more complete player. Um, you know, coming off 641 yards and six touchdowns, and Phil Maffa, who, you know, Shipley and Pace were both hurt and out for the spring, and Phil Maffa was the only scholarship running back, so he took all the reps of the ones, and they just raved about him. Um, so I think all three of those guys are going to get plenty of touches, obviously, with quarterback being a big question mark, um, and with the success that we found in two back sets towards the last three, four games of the year. I think you have to look at a lot of that stuff because we got in more heavy personnel with our tight ends. I think that's another position group where, you know, obviously Davis Allen and Brennan Stool are going to be important pieces of the offense. Um, but it has to start with the run game. You've got three good ones. I think you can make a case that we have three of the top five running backs in the ACC, certainly Pace and Shipley. I don't think that's crazy to say. Um, obviously, Malfa doesn't necessarily have the – the stats or the exposure to really make a case for that. But talent wise, I think it's, I think it's reasonable. So um, with those two being the main strengths, I think now you start looking at weaknesses. And like I said, in the beginning with the quarterback position, I mean, this is where the season really rides on how we play at quarterback. Um, you know, DJ is going to be the guy period. I don't think club ready. I don't know if the season necessarily rides on it because y'all still won 10 games and DJ was absolutely horrible. But I think, like, like playoff, if you're looking for playoffs, then, yeah, it definitely depends on the quarterback. Because y'all can have the best That's defense right. in the and league then, and DJ plays like he did last year. You're still not, you're still not going to the playoff, probably. I mean, you could argue no. that they could if you played the same. No way. I mean, if, you, if, you, if you look at the schedule, the schedule's – you know, kind of the same. So, yes and no. I think, obviously, when you look at the beginning of last year, we didn't know DJ wasn't going to be able to handle everything that was on his plate. So, like I said, we lost three of the first seven. And then after that, we were kind of like, oh, shit. Like, let's let's take stuff off his plate. Let's focus more on the run game. And then we we started to play better. But our defense last year, only we only allowed 15 points a game. And we still lost three of them. We saw, you know – three halfway decent teams and lost all three of them. So, but again, at quarterback, I, I just don't think Klubnik's ready. Um, but DJ's not going to have a super long leash. If he struggles, um, Klubnik's going to go in there. Um, but I think as far as DJ's concerned, obviously he played last year around 260 pounds. He's at like 225 right now. Um, and I think the weight loss and the fact that he's working on his mechanics, that signals some, some buy-in that maybe – wasn't there last year you never can tell but it seems unreasonable to expect a huge turnaround in this play but I don't think um I don't think doubling his touchdowns he only had nine touchdown passes last year I think if he could get in that 15 20 range and, and more or less double it I think that's realistic um even if he still throws 10 interceptions I think if he's got eight doubles his touchdowns goes to 18 still has the same minor interceptions 
that's not going to put him in Heisman or NFL draft discussions, but that will certainly get us back into playoff contention. Um, and like I said, I, I think that's realistic. Uh, this is something I expect. No, um, but I do think it's realistic just because you got to remember that we had five of our top seven wide receivers hurt at any given time last year. Um, so it's going to be big for Ngata, EJ Williams, Bo Collins, those kind of guys to stay healthy um, and at least give him some help out there. Cause I mean, the South Carolina game, when you're starting Will Shipley or uh, excuse me, Will Sweeney, things aren't looking good. Um, so you got to give him some help. Um, but the weakness on defense is obviously not the front seven. So it's got to be the back four. Um, and at DB, we lost Andrew Booth and Mario Goodrich, both of your starting corners. Those guys were locked down last year. Um, so the guys at this point, it's, it's probably going to be Sheridan Jones to this point. He's been a backup, uh, not a super athletic guy, more physical. Um, but on the opposite side of him is Nate Wiggins. And Nate Wiggins has been the person that's uh, on the entire team. He's probably been talked about the most um, in terms of just upside and potential and what he's been able to do this spring and summer. Um, they're talking about by the end of the season that we're going to be talking about this guy the same way we talk about A.J. Terrell and, and, and Booth. He's just a freak. Um, you know, he's 6'1", almost 6'2". He's the fastest guy on the team. He's sub 4'4", clocked at a 40. I mean, one of those rare guys that it's just a matter of putting it all together. Um, so at, at corner, you know, I have a lot of faith in Mike Reed. He he pumps these guys into the league, and you hear that kind of stuff about about Wiggins, and it's more of just go and show it. Um, but at safety, obviously, you have Makuba, who's I think he's an All-American type player. Um, but it's about who you pair with him. Obviously, the structure of the defense, like I said, you're going to have Barrett Carter playing nickel. Um, so just depending on, you know, what kind of defense we're in, you may or may not have a second safety. Makuba can play corner. He can play nickel. Um, but opposite of him, I think, is kind of the question mark because uh, you've got Landon Zanders, who was out all year with an injury. Malcolm Green's been hurt. Tyler Venables may or may not fit into the new the new system quite as well. Um, R.J. Mickens, same sort of deal, more of a kind of a bulky safety. that. But he had some games last year where he really flashed. Um, and then there's Jalen Phillips. I think all of those guys are going to play. But, again, going back to what I said about the linebackers and using the, the snap counts from the bowl game is kind of indicative to what we'll see as a, as a different, you know, as a little change of pace. Uh, Jalen Phillips played more snaps than anybody in, on the defense um, in the bowl game with 55. Uh, he played really, really well the last five games of the year. He's probably the most athletic of all the guys I just mentioned, save for maybe Malcolm Green. Um, but I think he might be the guy that's primed for kind of a breakout. Mickey Conn has consistently talked about him as one of the uh, the best performers. And again, when your front seven is as good as I think these guys are going to be, you can have your, your back end guys kind of learning on the job, maybe making a few more mistakes because uh, they're going to have a lot longer leash. Um, but again, I think, I think just kind of, you know, we'll, we'll end there and kind of change gears, but I think as far as strengths and weaknesses, that's, that's really where we stand. Um, so I'm curious to know what you guys want to know. Who, who's going to, who do you think is going to be the number one receiver? Oh, definitely ain't gotta, without a doubt. He's gotta be, I mean, if he's, if he's not hurt, not yet. <laughs> Which is that, I mean, because I mean, I've been hearing about him. If like he can the past, stay healthy, he's, 
two, three years. I feel like he's always yeah. It's always been the same playing. thing. Like always so good, and then he yeah. just never does anything. No, and that's kind of how it's been this year. I mean, even the spring, uh, Dabo had one press conference where they asked him about receivers, and he was like, "I dude, I don't even want to say anything," just because, you know, it's like uh, we talk about him every year, and then he's yet to really do what we think he's gonna do. Um, but apparently, he's been a lot more focused in terms of taking care of his body, prehab, rehab, stuff like that. That you would think guys are doing anyway, but I guess maybe not. Um, but like you saw against Georgia, I mean, he had over 100 yards against Georgia. He was the only – had a 40-yard catch. It was the only play we really made downfield. Um, but he's 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 got all the ability. But like you guys said, it's just a matter of actually doing it, not being a practice All-American. Who, in your opinion, is the best defensive lineman? DNs and uh, D-tackles combined, just all around. Um, I would say Brissy if he wasn't coming off a torn ACL, just because he's the one that has the ability. Like as a defensive tackle, he can wreck the whole game by himself. I mean, you look at the second half of the Boston College game in 2020 when we were way behind. Brissy in the third quarter took over. He, I mean, just three drives in a row, he destroyed it. And then last year, not really getting to see him play. I mean, obviously against Georgia, um, but. I mean, he had, I think he had seven tackles, like two tackles for loss against Georgia. And then after that, we kind of go on to some lesser games, play tech, almost lose. And he tears his ACL in the fourth game of the year against Michigan State. We don't really get... My boy said we went on to some lesser games, played Georgia Tech. Almost lost. <laughs> I mean, that was, I mean, that's a fact, though. You got South Carolina State, Georgia Tech, and then NC State. Um, but, I think I think I think Miles Murphy is probably the best all around, but Bercy is Bercy's the guy. If he's if he's not hurt, I would say Bercy. But Miles Murphy is so good at everything. He just hasn't really shown like the pass rush savvy yet. Well, but like I said, I think I think he could easily be a double digit sack guy this year. So both the answer is both. What do you think? What do you think the ceiling is for this team, and what do you think the floor is? So like, see, everything goes right. DJ is. Yeah, I mean, he's not – I don't think he'll be, you know, like Heisman, but he has a good season, well, right. much better than last year. You know, the defense is the number one in the nation like people think it might be. What does that season look like versus what a season looks like if DJ is worse than last year, the run game can't get going, the defense maybe – the secondary maybe isn't as good as, as people thought? I think – so, like I was saying, if DJ can realistically, if he can be – if the interceptions stay the same, processing all stays the same, he has his receivers healthy, has more guys to go make plays, I think realistically he can get to 15 to 20 touchdown passes. That's fair. So, in essence, double his touchdown production. Yeah, If he, he can do that and everything else stays the same about our offense, I mean – You probably win you look at two more schedule, games. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think Wake is going to be a decent team, but they're probably not going to have the defense. I think NC State's going to be solid. Um, you know, Notre Dame again going to be solid, but there's question marks at quarterback. Um, their defense is going to be really good. Then you look at you know the last three games: Louisville, Miami, Carolina. I think all those teams have question marks, but they all have quarterbacks that are a lot better than mine. 
So I think the floor is shit, probably six and six, seven and five. <laughs> if everything goes wrong. Shut up. I mean, no, I'm being re- – I mean, what do you mean? If well, you have a better quarterback, I mean, you can you – can, I'm not saying we will. That's the floor, though. Yeah, if just DJ speaking is as bad in terms as he of the was floor. Last year, if he's as bad as he was – because last year we could have easily folded and gone seven and five, six and six in the year. We started four there and were three. a lot of close games. So, and that's what I'm saying. We were we were a dick here and a duck fart away from losing to Syracuse, losing to Louisville. Um, I can't even think of the other ones because I purged a lot of. Oh, you always have games like last that, year. Yeah, but yeah, but usually one, it's like once not once a year. Not, yeah, not every single game. Yeah, um, I y'all's floor is like four losses. I think realistically, yeah. Realistically, eight and four is probably with our defense. I think realistically, eight and four is probably the floor. But if DJ Wait. doubles his touchdown passes, um, I mean, I think I think the ceiling is to go undefeated until Bama kicks our teeth in in the natty. <laughs> I think that's I think that's the ceiling. When I when I look at y'all's schedule, Wake, NC State, Notre Dame, Carolina. No. I see. I I see 4-0 going into the NC State game. It's at home. Y'all are going to probably win by two scores. The gauntlet are the last four games of the year. Notre Dame, Louisville, Miami, and Carolina. See, I'm a lot because, more worried about NC State necessarily than I am about Louisville or Miami. Well, no, because that's because NC I'm, State's really good. Miami's saying, got questions. Louisville, what's I'm his name? What's the little Lamar Jackson's because, name? Malik Cunningham. Malik Cunningham. I'm yeah. saying it's the gauntlet because you have all those teams back to back to back. You have at NC State, you have, you know, kind of, you know, your mid teams before and after. But like, I mean, Wake is good. And and then back, man, they blew them out last year, and they were worse last year than they are this year. Yeah, so, I mean, then you have the thing about Wake is is I Wake Wake has a really good quarterback with Sam Hartman. Um, but I mean, they lost to Corey Robertson, their best receiver. Um, I think they're going to reload because they always have those kind of fringe guys that end up playing above their seedlings. Um, I think Wake will be fine offensively, but again, when you look at what we were able to do with them with that and just hammering the A gap and Wake defensively, they're not going to be able to line up and stop us if we get in heavy personnel. And like I said, the offensive line should be a little bit better. I just yeah. don't see them being able to hang for four quarters. But I look at Louisville. Louisville's going to have enough athletes on offense to maybe maybe scare us. Miami, again, same deal. They've got athletes. They've got the quarterback. But defensively, I just don't – I don't trust them to not give us something. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. Even, yeah. If, even if we got to beat them 17 to 13. Um, I mean, that's how a lot of last year was, kind of grinding right. up wins with the defense. Again, and I think I think we'll be able to do a little bit of that this year again. Um, but NC State scares me. Um, Notre Dame on the road, it's going to be a night game. It's going to be, oh, can DJ do what he did last time and actually win? Um, and then, I mean, honestly, Carolina at the end of the year, just because I have no idea what you guys are going to do. I mean, with Rattler there. I mean, that's definitely a loss for y'all, so. (laughs) That's why the last four are the gauntlet, because you play 
But you get but you Playing get three of them teams. at home. Vinny. That's the yeah, thing, dude. We haven't lost a home game since 2016, so it's 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 a little different um, when it's at home, which is what makes you feel a little bit better about NC State. Um, you know, Malik Cunningham basically guaranteed that he was going to win, so that's going to. I mean, and then Brian Bercy is probably going to kill him, for being honest. Um, I mean, my like I said, Miami's got a quarterback, but first year of crystal ball. They're throwing out NIL bags. I mean, and oh, again, are. last the last two times we played Miami, they've scored a whopping total of three points. Yeah. Or ten points combined. So, I guess it's the last three we've outscored like 138 to 10. So, okay. All right. Relax. That's a, But, I mean, that's the thing, though. They're, that was also when we had quarterbacks, though, so. But I don't know. I think, like I said, the floor is probably eight and four. The ceiling is undefeated until we play Bama. I see that. Usually it falls somewhere in the middle. So I think, I yeah. think y'all are going to drop one game. Oh, well, yeah. yeah. We can, we can get more I, into like schedules and stuff um, in the week zero episode, probably. Or do we want to go ahead and do it? We, I mean, we can run through it real quick. Yes. Yeah, obviously, that, obviously we. We start off with Georgia Tech. Um, I'm, I'm kind of interested to see exactly how it goes down just because I think Tech is going to be a little bit better. I think they have no choice but to be better. Yeah, but I also be. think we can, we can out-athlete them at pretty much every position. Um, so even if it's ugly like last year, um, I think we'll win that. And then you go Furman, Louisiana Tech. Don't have to say a whole lot there. Yeah, should be whatever. easy wins. Um, hopefully we see Club Nick and he becomes Trevor Lawrence during those right. two weeks. Um, then you go to Wake, like I just said. I don't think Wake has the defense to really stay in the game with us. Yeah. Even, State, even though I it's at either, Wake, it's just – yeah, their defense is not good enough. And, I just, again, I don't know if they have enough athletes on offense. NC State, we could easily lose that game. If yeah, because the they do have if, a good defense. Yeah, if we're going 11-1, and one, I'm picking us to lose to NC State because they have a quarterback. They've got a couple good receivers. I mean, their running game has been fairly decent. Obviously, they lost uh, Aquanu at, at tackle, who is by far their best offensive lineman, but still a pretty decent unit. Um, you know, then you go Boston College and Florida State on the road. I like Jerkovic, um at Boston College, but, again, just probably not enough athletes. And even if they did, I don't know if they could score on us. Um, FSU, same deal. We might get in a fist fight with them. Um, but I really hate FSU, so I'd like to see a score about 100. Syracuse at home. We always seem to struggle with Syracuse, um, but hopefully not an issue. Notre Dame, again, question marks on offense, but a really good defense, so that might be a 0-0 overtime game. <laughs> um, you know, and then we kind of talked about Louisville, Miami, Carolina, and it, I see, like, all three of those could be toss-ups. Um, I don't it just like depends Miami on how each, each of those teams come out. I mean, that, because I feel like all three of those teams could be good, but also could be pretty mid. Exactly. We're a world away from finding out who any of those three teams actually are. Same yeah. with Notre Dame, frankly. Um, yeah, that's true. But if I had to give a schedule or a prediction, I would say 11-1. Yeah. And I, two, maybe. I, I could, yeah, I'm I hoping DJ that. plays well enough to <clears> – <throat> NC State and Notre Dame being the two that really worry me the most right now. Yeah. Carolina being the I third one, that. but I see that. we're yeah. not going to lose, y'all. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. 
Well, yeah, I guess uh, I guess that's it for Clemson. We'll have more. We'll definitely have more to talk about week zero because fall camp starting this Friday or whenever this comes out. I don't know if it'd be after Friday, probably not, but um, starts this Friday. So does Carolina um, and Georgia, yeah, I mean, Georgia Tech, or somewhere in between there or somewhere. I think Georgia's Thursday. I don't know when Tech is, but uh, we'll definitely have a lot more. Yeah. For that week zero and next week we'll have another team probably south carolina uh that will kind of take a little deep dive into put a put a microscope over over what we're looking for um but yeah i think that'll be it any any last things to say sam um i mean like you said we're definitely i try not to get too into the weeds with this um, just because, like you said, we don't have really a whole lot of new information as far as fall camp's concerned, but I think we have a pretty good idea of what what we're looking at. I don't think there's going to be anything groundbreaking that happens. Um, I do expect some some freshmen to to make some moves. Uh, guys like Toriano Pride. We're going to hear a lot about Club Nick. Um, so there will be a few, certainly. Um, Antonio Williams being another one, a receiver, I think could help us. Yeah. Um, but like I said, like I said, I mean, we're going to – we're obviously going to flesh it out a little bit more. Um, there will be a lot more to come throughout the season. So, yeah, just hang in there with us. But, yeah, hopefully we'll have uh, Carolina next week, and then we'll uh, – I'm, I'm curious to see what you think. Just because uh, I don't know exactly how the format's going to be if you do the strengths and weaknesses or if you kind of just hit more storylines. But that will be yeah, a few. I'm kind of – I'm curious yeah. to see what you've got to say and, and kind of curious just to – what me, Vinny, and Sid will have to uh, have to say back to it. Yeah, I mean, South Carolina is definitely an interesting team right now, but we'll get more into that. Anyone who's listening, thank you. Thank you for listening, and uh, we'll catch you next week. Peace. <laughs>